0: Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Much. Most illogical. I
1: thought. Well, that was different. Yep. Rousey, but different. Places,
0: please. And here we go.
1: Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Adosians, Chickens, and Things, to Ooh. episode 36 of the Muppet
0: Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. Uh, we are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises in German. What are those?
1: Those are, of course, The Muppets and Star Trek, and we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek The Original Series.
0: And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Lou Rawls and Star Trek The Original Series episode, Catspaw. Catspaw. So
1: tell us about our host this week. We have a Muppet show, which is Lou Rawls. Steve,
0: Lou Rawls was really a renaissance man, singer, songwriter who released more than 60 albums. He also worked as a record producer and a voice actor. He was a three time Grammy winner for best male R&B vocal performance. Hmm. Crazy talent. 60 albums. What does our audience know him from? Well, I can guarantee you've heard at least one song he's written, produced or sang at some point, even if you didn't know it. Besides that, you may know him uh, from his reoccurring role on Baywatch nights (laughs) and his role as Harvey, the mailman from the beloved Nick cartoon. Hey, Arnold. Oh, look at that. This week on the Muppet show uh, uh, on stage. We have an opening number from Lou Rawls, Groovy People, with some groovy backup singers. It's a fun opening number. After this, we get the newsman. There's an epidemic that turns people into ducks, and the newsman turns into a duck. <laughs> Following this, we get veterinarian's hospital. The patient is missing, which devolves into jokes about missing, kind of dismembered people. The announcer then addresses them, breaks they like break the fourth wall, and resets the sketch, and you get to watch it again. Yeah, that was unusual it's, for sure. <laughs> it's real weird. Uh, next, we have the Swedish chef forced out on stage. The chef reveals that he is making frog's legs and that nephew Robin is on the menu. Kermit uh, steps in and stops this crap, that crap real quick. <laughs> Following this, we have at the dance. We get a bunch of monster jokes and the chandelier dropping on someone's head. Mm hmm. Afterward, we get a tropical number, the ukulele lady, being performed by Kermit with some backup singers, with Piggy sitting on the Hawaiian moon above. We get the return of the talk spot, kind of, which then devolves into a jazz scat jam session of Bye Bye Blackbird with Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. I like that. But I was like, oh, talk spots back. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Following this, we get Muppet Labs, where Beaker is testing the first nuclear-powered shaver. Uh, First, Bunsen Honeydew puts him a very uh, heavy lead helmet on him, which crushes his neck so he doesn't need to shave anymore. (laughs) Following this, we finally get Fozzie out on stage doing a skate act while he tells jokes. It's terrible as usual and ends with Fozzie falling off the stage. Poor guy. Finally, we get Lou Rawls again, another one of his hits, You're the One, where he performs and kind of sings to Piggy with the electric mayhem backing him up. And just another good one featuring Lou. Yeah. Kermit thanks Lou, who is also on roller skates, and that's what we call the Muppet Show. The entire backstage plot this week really just centered around the fact that Fozzie was bad at skating, but was going to do the skating act.
1: And it was like pushing everyone's act up early so they weren't ready like chef
0: and right, stuff. Right, and that's why the Swedish chef was pushed out early and, you know, some of those sort of things. But it was very low impact from a backstage point of view. That's true. Uh, so, Jarron, what did you think of this week's episode of The Muppet Show with Lou Rawls?
1: Well, I hadn't I heard the name Lou Rawls, but I didn't know who that was exactly. So when I watched this, I'm like, oh, okay, who is this guy? And I noticed that right off the bat that he wasn't an actor because his first opening scene with Scooter, he was kind of like, Really bad and hammy, but hey, then a
0: scooter. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay.
1: But then, as soon as he starts singing, I'm like, "Dang, that is a silky smooth voice." So I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a voice on him, um, and he immediately really right. reminded me of uh, Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton, William Burr. I don't know if you've watched. I've it. Never
0: seen that. I don't know what you're talking.
1: About. Uh, okay, well, if you got it Disney Plus, check it out. um But yeah, he he sounds a bit like him, and he looks a little bit like him. Um, but anyways, uh yeah, his his songs were great and I think they played to his strengths, you know that he was gonna be a singer and they let it they actually let him sing. And sometimes in the up show we've noticed they don't let the actors or performers go to their strengths to enough sometimes. So, I think they did that a good job of that at least. Um it did make us miss some backstage moments with the host, you know, that we didn't get in this episode, but we got a lot of the classic sketches and stuff, so I enjoyed that. Um and I love the talk spot starting off. And he's just like, thanks, Kermit. It's a gas to be here. And he's just like, so like smooth. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was awesome. Um, um, but yeah, I guess it was a fun, solid middling episode. I think
0: this may go in my bottom two or three episodes. Oh, oh wow. I felt like Lou. So and here, and here's the thing. And I'll tell you this now. Uh, three all like all the songs he did on here, like the big ones, big performances were all from a, an album. He was basically pushing. Oh, I got you at the time. This whole thing just seems like a big throw for, it was like an appearance he was doing, which is fair. Yeah, like it's a promo they would use the Muppet show for that. But it was just knowing that made the whole thing really transparent because he didn't do much else.
1: That's true. It's like he wasn't even there for any of the other rehearsals or anything. He just kind of jumped in and sang his oh, song. Right. He
0: had that one scene in the alleyway with him, an animal that was short and cute, the little bit of the talk spot before they went into singing. Mm-hmm. And like, that was it. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, we got a couple staples like veterinarians hospital. I really like the fourth wall break. And I like that. The concept was very fun. Making them repeat the scene and things like at the dance, but it just didn't feel like a good episode to me.
1: I don't know, yeah. I thought like it could have been better, but like a lot of the jokes were more solid than usual, even. I thought, and like I I did like the weird thing how the veterinary hospital did it twice. It was just like this is really strange and different. I enjoyed that, so it still (laughs) keeps it kind of middling for me, but yeah, this the host was kind of lacking in this one because it was just like a singer they brought on a few times, you know, that was pretty much it. And
0: we've seen other performers like that where they're they're ju- just there to do their shtick right and not there to do anything else
1: yeah that's that's true i didn't think about it that way but especially knowing that it's just know. all that one album that kind of changes a little bit for me too
0: um it's okay this episode makes me more excited for the next one which i think is going to be a spectacular episode oh yeah so we'll get to that am mm, getting the taste of just dirt in my mouth now <laughs> that later when i washed out it's gonna seem extra clean that 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 makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, music this week on the show, Groovy People from All Things in Time, his '76 album, which would have been about a year before this. This was big for Lou Rawls. It was written by the duo Gamble and Huff, who were responsible for other big hits like "If You Don't Know Me by, by Now." now people all the world. Runner. Oh, okay. Join <laughs> hands. Oh, that's. On hard. the love train. Yeah. It's good stuff. Gambling Huff. A ukulele lady first produced in the mid-1920s. First person to make it famous was Vaughn DeLeath, a female singer named Vaughn. Didn't hmm. even know that could be a female's name. She also first recorded Are You Lonesome Tonight? That was later a hit for Elvis some 30 years later. Are you lonesome tonight? Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Sunny Boy, uh, which was actually in the... um in the UK spot, but I could not find it. Hmm. Uh, but it's link, link hogthrob singing to an actual piglet. Yes. This song, sunny boy featured in a 1928 movie hit, the singing Fool, sung by Al Johnson, who is best known as the King of blackface. Al Johnson or Al Jolson. Jolson, Al Jolson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He is the King of blackface. Unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Yes. Al Jolson. (laughs) Mm hmm. So, sunny Boy. <laughs> not a
1: good thing.
0: Uh, by Blackbird, this is written by the same guy who wrote the Varsity Drag, which Statler and Waldorf performed on the previous episode. Oh, yeah. They're one big number. And then You're the One was just another show for this album, All Things in Time. <laughs> another <Andy> show.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, well,
1: Steve, what was your uh, favorite Muppeteering moment of this episode?
0: Um. So I know that I said the backstage was lackluster, but what was not lackluster was. The performance of Fozzie on roller skates. That's true. Zooming around backstage, all the energy and movement it took to get him going. And my favorite is the simple moment where he goes down the stairs. Oh, yeah. And you can see the Goo, go, 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 as the as Frank Oz being a mass performer was matching the movement of what it would be. That's pretty cool. I didn't think about it. It's just that. a big pantomime. It's just incredibly detailed and great. So I think Fozzie on roller skates.
1: Yeah, that might be very difficult. Uh, Mine probably was just thinking about the complexity and how well they pull it off when they do a full band playing with him. Uh, oh, so that's when, true when Dr. T's full orchestra or band was there with him playing um, that one song, and there
0: were three or two or three of those numbers.
1: But the one I'm thinking of in particular was like the full backdrop and the bands all there and everything. And like just the trumpets yeah, were the They're moving at the right time. Like they they never play it like just like it's half ass. They always do it like exactly with the music. They perform it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So it's really well yeah, done. Absolutely. That was really impressive
0: to me. So German, tell us about this week's episode of Star Trek, the original series.
1: So this week we have Cat's Paw, which is often laughed at by people looking at in the past because there is a giant uh, there's a house cat that's blown up to a big size in this and it looks really silly. But uh, other than that, it's kind of an interesting episode.
0: Only a little really silly.
1: A little really silly. So the Enterprise is orbiting the lifeless planet of Prius 7, where they have lost contact with the landing party of Scotty, Sulu, and a random crewman. And they finally hear from the crewman, but he beams aboard and he's already dead. And a weird voice comes out of his mouth warning them to leave at once, uh, which is kind of creepy. He holds his mouth open and is like, Leave at once. (laughs) Um, They instead go down. That
0: was a very bad dub job. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, They instead go down to the planet to investigate with uh, Kirk, Spock, and Bones, the trio. And they're met in the planet by three ghost witches who tell them to once again leave at once, but they don't do that. Uh, they keep investigating and they find an old spooky castle, which is inhabited by a, one black cat, seemingly, because they can't see any other life signs. And they're walking along and all of a sudden the ground collapses beneath them and they're knocked out and they wake up to find themselves strung up in a dungeon. So suddenly Scotty and Sulu walk in with a phaser pointed at them and they're acting like zombies and they suddenly let they let them down. And they start to lead them down the hallway. But as Kirk and Spock try to subdue them, they're suddenly transported to a throne room where this guy named Korob greets them. And he has the black cat with him and he starts trying to talk to them and just try to ingratiate himself with them and just ask them about who they are and where they come from. And they're asking the same questions. But suddenly the cat leaves and returns as Sylvia, this weird, strange, attractive woman. And (sighs) she tells him that she killed their crewman merely by thinking it because she's like magic. You know, it's just really cool. She's like a witch or something. So Kirk Mm -hmm. steals her phaser. But before he can attack, she shows him a little pendant of the Enterprise, which is really cool. I want one of those. And she holds it over a flame and tells him to contact the Enterprise. And Chekhov tells him on the Enterprise that the ship is overheating and that they'll all die soon. So she's doing some kind of crazy magic. So Kirk tells her to stop and to put down the he puts down his phaser. And they find out that they are these creatures are two higher-level beings, once again, um, who don't know about sensations <sighs> or, or physical experiences. So they created this fake world to trap them here so they can experience sensations and stuff or something. And Sylvia sends them all back to the dungeon except Bones, who she also turns into a brainless zombie. And she then sends for Kirk, and he tries to seduce her, and he does pretty well for a while, kissing her all up and down. And um, she eventually sees through it, though, and she gets pissed off that he was trying to manipulate her. But while he was seducing her, she tells him that they get their power from something called the transmuter. And Kirk eventually thinks this must be that weird wand that Korob is holding onto all the time. So Uh she sends him back to the dungeon, but Korob grows a conscience and decides to free them so that Sylvia can't keep him captive forever. And he says that she lost her way and she's no longer following the directive of the old ones, whoever they are. So Sylvia tries to attack them from escaping and turns into a giant cat um, before they can escape. But Kirk gets a hold of the wand and tells her that he has the power now. So she turns human again, tries to get back the wand Kirk destroys the wand, which gets rid of all the illusions and kills the two creatures, which are just little marionette fluff balls in the end. So mm-hmm. that's cat's paw for you. What what'd you think of this episode, Steve?
0: Um. Okay. So th- this inc- accumulation might be the worst set of episodes for me <laughs> of any Muppet Shrek we've done. That's possible. Because not only did I really not dig the Lou Rawls episode, mm-hmm. this was Maybe by far my least favorite track episode so far. Wow. That's saying a lot. Not only in subject and, but like pace performance, it just was lacking in every area.
1: <laughs> it was very slow. That's true.
0: Uh, things I did like though, it was more fantasy than usual. Uh, when they encountered the three crones, there was something kind of fun and mystifying about that. Cause you don't ever kind of see that stuff.
1: On Star, Star Trek. Trek.
0: Yeah. Um, but then it just moved too slowly from there. Nothing picked up and nothing followed correctly. Um, it's always fun to watch Kirk like misogynize his way out of another one. <laughs> like, yes. how can I solve this with my chest? <laughs> um, so it's always fun to watch things. I disliked Chekhov's hair was bad again. It oh, was yeah. bad. And then it was good, and now it's bad again. That's because these
1: were shot are shown out of order, and the airing order. And this was actually the first episode Chekhov was in
0: that they filmed. Uh, nothing about the scale of the cat worked or communicated correctly or well. This had some of the worst fight choreography <laughs> of the entire series. Oh, my word. Watch it when Spock and Kirk are overtaking the the brainwashed crew members. It is embarrassing how poor it is. And you see
1: the blatant Sulu stunt double for a couple times there.
0: And why? That's the thing. It wasn't even impressive enough to constitute a stunt double. It wasn't doing anything dangerous. <laughs> weird and then weird puppets at the end that kind of gave us a good look, but then they put everything into slow motion, smoke, and it just got bad again. It was real poor. This episode just moved slow, major pacing issues. The dynamic between Kirk and her was not interesting, nor something we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. The, this whole episode was really poor for me. This might be the worst.
1: That's fair. Um, I will say on, on a high note, um, there were a couple funny lines um, I love the interaction. It was some
0: good snark. You're right. Yeah,
1: like in the beginning, um, after the witches disappear, uh Kirk says, Comment, Mr. Spock, and he says, Very bad poetry, Captain. And he's like, yeah. a, a more useful comment, Mr. Spock. <laughs> I was like, that was a really good line. Um, and then the strange line to Saul, the guy who takes over the bridge, uh, who's now gone into this episode. He says, I'll bet you credits to Navy beans. We can put a dent in it. (laughs) It's just so. That's right. What a 60s line that was. But also the actress who played Sylvia, the cat lady, I think she did as best a job as she could have done with the line she was given. I thought she was actually pretty. She was pretty compelling, but just the lines she was saying are stupid. And so it's kind of hard to, you know, read much into that. But, yeah, I agree. It's not not the strongest episode we've been given. (laughs)
0: By a um, and I read uh, What's-His-Face's Korob's uh, betrayal a little bit differently uh, I because his change of heart came after that scene with Kirk and her kind of like seducing him and changing uh, him to different ways. So I, I took it as him being jealous of the attention that Kirk was getting. That's fair. Yeah. I didn't think and about so that. He was like, I need to get you guys out of here.
1: Yeah. To get you away from her. She's well. gone
0: crazy. We got to get you out of here right now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's fair. Well, not a strong showing this week, but we got some trivia for this episode because it had some interesting trivia. Um, Like I said, it's the first appearance of Pavel Chekhov. Um, Not the first time we see him, though. This is the first uh, filmed episode with him. That's why he has the wig. Um, Fittingly, this episode was aired during the week of Halloween, so that makes sense. It's a lot of Halloween-y stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Korob and Sylvia refer to their leaders as the Old Ones. Um, and which is a reference to HP Lovecraft, uh, stuff because the writer of this episode he actually was friends with HP Lovecraft before he died. Whoa, um, so that's pretty cool. He was an influence by him, and he also wrote the episode What Are Little Girls Made of? which I think we already watched. I just can't remember what it was about. We did, um, the one with all the little kids who have no adults,
0: maybe, or was that mary
1: Oh, that was mary You're right. I can't remember what, what old, little girls made I of. I don't remember what like, I remember that one though. It was <laughs> early, that's an early one, yeah. Um this is the first episode to feature all seven of the classic cast members who would be brought back for the big screen adventures. That's Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Uhura, Sulu, and Chekhov. Although they don't want appear in the same scene together. But that's pretty cool. It's the first, all the way in the middle of season two. First time we see all in one episode. Um, oh, the three witches in the beginning were intended to be floating heads originally. But the, the filming didn't work right. So you can see their black turtlenecks that they were supposed to be just. You, won't be, you weren't supposed to see those black turtlenecks, but apparently that just it worked out okay though. Um, and the ornithoid lifeforms, which are those creatures we saw at the end, were marionettes oh, yeah. composed of blue fluff, pipe cleaners, crab pinchers, and other materials. Uh, the marionettes were operated with the thick black threads that were clearly visible, but this was corrected in the remastered version, which I think Steve and I both watched. But probably in the original, you could see the, the threads pulling them around. <laughs> And sadly, Korob, the guy actor who played him, Theodore Marcuse, died one month after this episode aired, uh, which is really yeah, sad. He had
0: very few credits after this. Like yeah. One, maybe two. And what's really neat, uh, this
1: this terrible stock sound of the cat roaring at the end, um, that growl was used as a trademark growl for Bowser in all the games for Mario. So they've used uh, they used some kind of modulated version of that same exact sound effect for uh, Bowser, which is kind of cool. Very cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and, uh, the voices of little creatures at the end are sounds made by newly hatched alligators calling for their mother, <laughs> yeah. which was really weird. So yeah, some strange trivia, but some fun stuff for
0: this episode, which is really bad. More good so. I've got some great Trek connections to go with it. Fantastic. Lou Rawls had a small role in blues brothers 2000, which also had Joe Morton of Terminator two fame. Joe Morton has narrated several audiobooks in the Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek New Frontier series. Well, oh, look at that! <laughs> Lou Rawls played Harvey, the mailman in Hey Arnold. Also in the cast was voice actress Tress McNeil, played by played the voice of Arnold's grandma, um, and she was also did voice work for the 1997 PC game Star Trek. Starfleet Command.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's a deep cut. She's a big voice actress, too. She's done tons of stuff.
0: She is. She's done uh, like 900 some voices or something. Uh, Antoinette Bowers, who played the cat lady, Sylvia, also (laughs) guested on the show Kojak, which starred Telly Savalas, who made a cameo in the bar at the beginning of the Muppet movie.
1: Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she guessed well, it like every tribunal. show in the, in the 60s and late 50s. It yeah, was she was
0: one of those ones. That jump, jump, jump. All over the place. Well, very nice. what kind of similarities do we have this week, Steve? Uh, I've got very few, so I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cat lady is controlling the reality of Kirk and the crew, just like the announcer controls the veterinary and hospital cast and makes them repeat the sketch.
1: <laughs> it's very loose. I have uh, both have a form of puppets in them. The Muppets are puppets of themselves. I mean, I would be heresy true. to say, but they are puppets. And those marionette monstrosities at the end of the episode were also puppets. So there you
0: oh, go. I with that. Mm-hmm. Korob was crushed by a door when a giant cat broke in and a female dancer was crushed by a chandelier at the dance.
1: <laughs> that's fantastic. And that's all the learnings I had because this, this was rough. What the hell is that noise? What, what, is, what are you talking Oh, that noise. Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right. So it's the part of the episode where we take one character from one episode and transport them to the other episode and vice versa. So what
0: you got for us, Steve? So Trek to Muppets. I have the uh, giant unrealistic cat coming over <laughs> and replacing the duck gag. The whole so gag instead of in, getting what mallarditis, he gets felonitis and it's a real bad effect instead of something enchanting. And
1: he turns into a giant cat. <laughs>
0: yeah, but they lose sense of scale immediately.
1: <laughs> I have uh, Lou Rawls is going to transport over and take the part of the cat lady, Sylvia, uh, because <laughs> Kirk wouldn't be able to resist him. And then Kirk and his crew and their prisoners would be there for eternity because he'd just be too sexy.
0: Oh, hey, Kirk. I like groovy people
1: <laughs> Hey Kirk, how I you like doing?
0: groovy, groovy people I just want sensations, baby <laughs> <laughs> It's a gas to be here Yeah <laughs> uh, Muppets to Trek I've got Fozzie on roller skates coming over and replacing Korob the wizard <laughs> It would just be funny watching Him in those big robes, like drifting through scenes while he's telling them things.
1: That's really weird because I had Korob would take the place of Fozzie is what I had (laughs) because Korob's really good at taking verbal abuse just like Fozzie is. (laughs) That's
0: right. That makes perfect sense.
1: It does. It actually works really well. So (laughs) that brings us to the end of episode 36 of the Muppet Trek podcast.
0: Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Julie Andrews. And
1: original series episode, iMud. So, from
0: the lovers, the dreamers, and us.
1: Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on
0: social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been
1: brought to you by A Play On
0: Nerds.